Hi, I'm Mia, host of the Beauty and the Broken podcast. During our time together, we will hear the stories of what broke us and what healed us, how great beauty can be born out of our brokenness, how our hardest moments in life can lead to moments of growth, how we can find victory even when we feel like we're losing at life. I've personally found great encouragement from people who have been where I have been and survived what I didn't think I could. And that's what I want to bring you here on this podcast. So join me at Beauty and the Broken for real life stories of brokenness and the beauty that can be born in the healing journey. Hey friends, it is Mia. And today I am actually flying solo and I am going to bring you a personal story of not just hope, but of awareness. And I know in our very first episode of Beauty and the Broken, I touched on some things that I have been through in my own life, some seasons of suffering and seasons of struggle. And today specifically, I want to talk a little bit more in depth about one area of my life. February is Heart Health Awareness Month. That's something that has come to mean a lot to me. Because as I shared before, I did have a heart attack and open heart surgery. Today, I just want to share with you a little bit more of what that looked like and why I think it's so important that we advocate and care for our own hearts, especially as women. And so my heart attack was actually really surprising for a lot of people, not just because I'm young. I was 33 at the time that it happened. I was also really on the outside looked really fit. I was training in martial arts, working towards getting my black belt in Taekwondo. I was very, very, I mean, thin, just to be very honest. And so from the outside looking in, it was surprising. But I even remember doing these workouts leading up at the beginning of the pandemic with some other ladies from my martial arts classes And I just would struggle so much just with breathing and my heart rate getting really high. And the funny thing is, I even remember some of these exercises where I would think, oh my gosh, what if I have a heart attack doing this? And then I thought, I'm on Zoom. Like these ladies don't even, they don't even know where I live at. They wouldn't even know where to send an ambulance. And so In hindsight, it's a little bit comical that I kept thinking to myself I was going to have a heart attack and I truly did end up having a heart attack in the moment. It didn't feel very funny though. And I remember waking up one morning in April of 2020. So right at the beginning of the pandemic, the shutdown where there was all kinds of restrictions and we weren't going anywhere. And I woke up feeling like I was having what I thought was a gallbladder attack, and I just was very uncomfortable, felt very miserable. I had epigastric pain, so kind of that what we would call the bra band pain, if you can kind of think of that. I was nauseated, had heartburn. I even texted my coworkers that day and was just like, hey, guys, I'm not going to be coming into work today. I think I'm having a gallbladder attack. I'm just going to try to rest. By the late afternoon, I had started throwing up and just felt like something was wrong and I needed to be seen. And so I texted texted the guys and said, hey, I'm going to the ER. I'm thinking they're going to take my gallbladder out, so I'll keep you guys updated. 
then I called my grandma who fortunately was able to drive me to the ER because I was not in any shape to be driving myself with the way that I was throwing up. And I got there they ran an EKG, every, you know, vital signs, everything looked normal. They did all kinds of imaging on my gallbladder. And the only thing they could really find wrong with me at that point was a kidney stone in my right kidney that is still there, by the way. Um, and so they sent me home with some pain meds and some nausea meds and a referral to a urologist to be able to take care of this kidney stone. So honestly, I did probably what most of you would do. And I went back to work the next day. I had had this community event planned where I was going to be delivering some food and I had been working on it for more than a month and I didn't want to miss out on it. So since they told me there was nothing wrong with me except this kidney stone, I thought, well, I'm just going to take these pain meds and nausea meds and go about my business. And then the next day, I finally got to see the urologist, and he said, I don't know what's wrong with you, but these symptoms are not from a kidney stone. I'm like, okay. So I went home, Was it started to get more miserable. The day I went back to work, it was pretty manageable, but started to feel just more miserable as time went on and noticed that this pain was moving up into my neck. And I really, truly thought, well, they told me there was nothing wrong with me at the ER. So maybe I just have sore muscles from all of the throwing up that I had done that probably that now I look back, it sounds kind of crazy. But in the moment, I was just trying to give myself an explanation for what could be going on. And it wasn't until, gosh, four days later, super early in the morning, my poor husband was going to be getting up to go for the opening day of turkey season. And I woke up with this excruciating neck and jaw pain. And he looked at me and he goes, we're going back to the ER. I think you're having a heart attack. And I kind of went into hysterics. Both of my guys would uh, tell you that was true. They would probably say I didn't kind of go into hysterics. I really went into hysterics because I thought, how could I at 33 years old at a very healthy, normal weight, training for martial arts, be having a heart attack. This is nuts. So <clears throat> we went back to the ER and the EKG was normal. My vital signs were normal. This time they ran cardiac labs, cardiac enzymes, and they were elevated. Even then, they weren't entirely convinced that I was having a heart attack. And so they were putting me through other labs that could have indicated maybe a blood clot in my chest or something that could have caused these elevated cardiac enzymes. They were going to send me for a chest CT. And I remember being in the um, imaging room with all these people around me trying to start an IV because I was so dehydrated from throwing up the last four days. And I hear the tech take a call and I didn't hear the whole, obviously I only heard her side of the conversation, but then it was, Hey guys, stop messing around with the IV. We're taking her to the cath lab. And I said, Oh my gosh, did I have a heart attack? And she goes, could you hear the cardiologist on the phone? And I said, no, but why else would you be taking me to the cath lab right now? And so, uh, they took me to the cath lab where they did finally, after hours and hours establish that I had had a a heart attack, that that's what the signs I'd been experiencing the last four days were about. 
And not only did I have a heart attack, but I was going to have to have open heart surgery for what they thought at the time was a triple bypass and ended up being a quadruple bypass. That was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying because unfortunately, as I said, it was the beginning of the 2020 pandemic. And so my, after I came out of the cath lab, my husband was able to go with me to get me tucked into my room, but he had to leave. I couldn't have any visitors with me. And it was just terrifying. I honestly don't know how to explain it to you other than it was terrifying because I was not able to have the surgery for two more days. This was a Saturday. They had to wait to get me transferred to another hospital where they had a cardiothoracic team and had to wait until Monday to get the whole team and everything prepped and ready and in there. It was probably the two longest days of my life. I tell you what, though, friends, man, it was so beautiful to see how people showed up for me. There were so many, and probably some of you listening even would fall into this category. So many staff at the hospital that were like, hey, you know, I, you know, moms of friends of ours and foreign exchange students of friends, you know, colleagues or, you know, people that had once worked with colleagues of mine at the hospital that I had worked at and family members just coming in and like, hey, I heard your story or just wanted you to know like you're being prayed for. If you're, if you need anything, I'm here. Um, actually had some friends from um, our sister martial arts school who their um, sister-in-law actually was on one of the open heart surgery teams and was able to work it out so she could be in the room with me as the perfusionist on my case. And just to have that comfort of knowing that someone was there that had some connection to me and connection to my story was just really beautiful, even in the midst of this kind of overwhelming loneliness to still know that I, I wasn't alone, that there were still people with me. And fortunately, my husband got to come in and sit with me for about an hour before the open heart surgery. And man, I waited so anxiously for that hour to come and just tried to cherish every moment of that. Uh, we FaceTimed our son, which was a whole mixed bag of emotions because it was so good to just be able to see his sweet little face and yet still having this thought in the back of my mind of what if the last time he ever sees his mom alive is through this phone. But as you can guess, because I'm here with you today, I made it through that surgery. And I made that through that surgery in kind of remarkable timing too. When I got, when I came to and kind of heard how quickly I came out of, came out of surgery, I'm honestly still surprised by it especially considering that they had to do four bypasses instead of the three that they thought. And I was actually up walking within hours of my surgery, which, you know, I think I really kind of took for granted at the time until I got into cardiac rehab. And there were so many people that in the process of that are like, you're young, you're going to do great. You're going to recover so well. And all I could think is, I'm young. I shouldn't be going through any of this. But still, I was able, they were all right. I was able to make it through remarkably. And like I said, until I got to cardiac rehab, I don't think I realized how well I did through all of that because I began to hear stories of people who 
had to be intubated for days and weeks and had to go for inpatient rehab and, you know, ended up getting pneumonia and all of these just complications. Whereas I was fortunate, I, they found my heart attack on a Saturday, had my surgery on Monday, and I was home with my family by Thursday. So it was, it was super quick. And honestly, you know, my recovery from that went really well. Um, I was fortunate to get into a really, really good cardiac rehab program. And if you are somebody who has had a cardiac event and you're kind of on the fence of should I go or should I not, absolutely go to cardiac rehab. It gave me so much peace of mind because here's the thing that a lot of people don't talk about after a major cardiac event like I had the mental health recovery is just as significant and just as difficult as the physical recovery is. And so what cardiac rehab did for me was put a lot of normalcy on that. You know, I was able to start working out with a telemetry unit on. So I didn't have to have that fear of, am I going to be pushing my heart too hard when I'm working out? No, I knew exactly what was happening to my heart And then being able to sit through the classes where they were just talking about lifestyle changes and what you might experience to be able to hear that this depression and this anxiety that I was experiencing was really normal because I felt like I should just be glad to be alive. And that wasn't the reality of it, friends. And that's not the reality when we go through really any life-threatening event We feel like, well, I should just be glad to be alive. However, there is a lot of processing that we have to do with that. There was a lot of processing that I had to do with that, of facing this fact that at the age of 33, I could have died. And then wondering, what if it happens again? Could it happen again? I still remember making a phone call to the cardiothoracic team within a few weeks after my surgery because I was having (laughs) indigestion and heartburn. However, that's exactly what my heart attack felt like. And so then I was afraid that it was happening to me again, which thankfully it did not. But there was so much that I had to work through. And I was so thankful to have a team of fellow healthcare professionals with me who were able to tell me that 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 anxiety and that depression that I was experiencing was very normal. And I even struggled with PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder after all of that. And if I was being honest with you, I didn't know that that was something you could experience after a medical event. I've always thought of PTSD as combat or abuse-related. But, man, it can be so real after going through something like I went through. Maybe you've been through some similar health situation. PTSD is absolutely normal. And what was a trigger point for me was when I began to recognize that he didn't recognize myself anymore. And I even remember my husband, and not in a mean or an ugly way, but just in a very matter-of-fact way telling me that I had changed and I wasn't quite the same person that he knew And I had to agree with him because I wasn't the same person that I knew anymore. I was isolated. I was fearful. I did not have really any spark 
I didn't have any joy. I was really and truly just trying to survive through each day. And there were some days that I wasn't sure that I even wanted to survive through the day. I remember moments in my car um, because God meets me even in my car, friends. He does not have to meet you at a church on Sunday morning. But I just remember moments being in my car and just having worship music playing and just thinking like, God, if if my life could just end, I could just come be with you and this would all be okay. I wouldn't have to feel like this anymore. And that's such a hard place to be in. Not that I had any plan for suicide, not that I had any desire to kill myself. I just didn't have a desire to keep living anymore because everything just felt so off around me and felt so off within me. And I'm so thankful that I had the people and the resources that I needed to push through that. I'm thankful that I had nurses who, before I even left the hospital, said, hey, if you need a prescription for an antidepressant, it's normal and we'll get it for you if you need it. I was so thankful that I had a therapist who said, yes, of course, PTSD is very real after a major medical event like this. And I'm so thankful that I was surrounded by a community that helped me work through those emotions and find healing. I was very, very blessed to be able to be part of a small group of women that was doing a group on just healing our pasts and learning to be a caregiver for ourselves. And I also was fortunate to have people who did healing prayer ministry with me to help me get release from these feelings of PTSD. But it wasn't something that I could do by myself. And if you're listening and these feelings resonate with you, it's not something that you can do by yourself either. It's not something you should do by yourself. A lot of ugly things grow in the dark, friends. And if we keep ourselves in the dark, that PTSD, that depression, that anxiety, it's going to fester like a mildew or like a moss or a fungus. It's going to grow things that you don't want growing in you. And so it's so important that you are reaching out. It's why I'm so thankful that I had cardiac rehab. I'm so thankful that I had a therapist. I'm so thankful that I had a community around me to be able to walk through that healing process. And this came even after my body had physically healed because I had already been released from my surgeon I had already gone to regular maintenance visits with my cardiologist and still I was dealing with those emotions because it was finally at that point that my mind could slow down and get out of self-protection and survival mode and finally say, okay, we've got to deal with this. And it is so important that we deal with it because if we just keep it bottled up, It's like that soda bottle that you put a mento in and it just builds pressure. If you don't take that cap off and deal with it in a healthy way, it's just going to explode. And so I just want to encourage you, if you are walking a health journey, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, don't do that by yourself at all. And it doesn't have to be a heart-related diagnosis, friends. I think this reigns true for anyone, any kind of journey that you're on, we can't do those things by ourselves. And so we're always going to need support. 
which is why I always, always will share my story. That's why I'm very open about sharing my story. That's why I'm sharing my story with you today, because I truly believe that we need each other. And it's why I'm really open with talking about how my heart attack got missed for four days because we need each other. Because if I don't share my story and people don't know, they don't know that they need to fight for themselves. And so if I could have you take anything away from this conversation, from this story today, it is that you need to fight for yourself. And I also want you to be aware of what those symptoms of a heart attack could look like. Because here's the thing. So often we think of heart attacks as that thing we learned about in our like junior high health class where somebody grabbed their chest and they fell to the ground (laughs) and then somebody activated the AED system. That's not always what happens. And especially in women, that's not what happens. I, if you think back to me sharing my story and the beginning of this episode and all of the symptoms I shared, you will notice I did not mention chest pain. Friends, we have to get away from thinking that chest pain is what we need to look for in a cardiac event because it might not be there. You may have all of those symptoms that I had and no chest pain and still be having a heart attack. That bra band pain pain between the shoulder blades, nausea, vomiting, pain that moves into your neck and into your shoulders. And a lot of these things can be things that we, especially as women, think that we just need to rest from. We just don't feel good. We're just having anxiety. We just need to rest. And friends, just thinking that we're going to rest it off can kill us. I am so fortunate that even after having those symptoms for four days, that I lived. My story could have been very different though. And the reality is women are seven times more likely than men to be misdiagnosed when having a heart attack. And it is so important that we know what those symptoms are so we can take action. I am so thankful. If you ask my husband, my husband will tell you, I remember in middle school watching a commercial where they talked about women having neck and jaw pain when they have a heart attack. And that is what triggered him to take me back to the emergency room. He is literally my lifesaver. And you could be somebody else's lifesaver too by knowing these symptoms. And it's also so important that you know your risks because many of us are at risk and we don't know about it. I was at risk and I didn't know about it. That is always the thing. People want to know why they want to know how. I have a very strong family history of heart disease and a very strong family history of high cholesterol. Unfortunately, this is not something that people in my family talked about until after I had my heart attack. So if I can encourage you, talk about your family medical history. And I have talked to friends who have been adopted and they don't know their family medical history. Go back to the adoption agency, see what gene testing you can do, do what you have to do to know what your risks are. I also had been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes shortly before my heart attack. I know that I actually had been dealing with blood sugar issues for a while before that. I just, um, unfortunately, due to poor mental health, didn't get help for that. 
And so that diabetes diagnosis factors in as well. Diabetics, you are absolutely at higher risk for heart disease. Unfortunately, as my old cardiologist says, diabetes is like a house on fire. If you don't contain the blaze in the kitchen, the whole house will burn down. So make sure you are maintaining your blood sugars. Make sure that you are seeing your endocrinologist or your physician regularly having your A1C drawn or monitoring your blood sugar with a, a CGM or a continuous glucose monitor. Make sure you're taking your meds so that you're getting your blood sugars under control to protect the rest of your body. I am also a recovered bulimic. Eating People with eating disorders are also at a higher risk for heart disease and heart events because of the electrolyte imbalances that we often have from binging and purging and also from starving ourselves. And so if you're someone that has dealt with an eating disorder, chronic dieting, things that would have caused malnutrition, that is also an added risk factor. Um, smoking and illicit drug using, I think that was what shocked people the most. What do you mean you're 33 years old and you're having a heart attack and you've never smoked a day in your life? But drug use, overuse of alcohol, smoking cigarettes are all things that can add to your risk for heart disease or a cardiac event. And so it is so important that you know what your risk factors are, that you are seeing your doctor regularly, having your cholesterol levels checked regularly. Um, unfortunately, I had an elevated cholesterol level that got missed just simply because we were more focused on getting my blood sugars under control when I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Um, but just knowing there are CT scans, there are things that you can do to be aware of your cardiac health. And so it is so important and I hope that you can take my story as a cautionary tale, especially as we take the month of February to be more aware of our heart health. I hope that you will take steps to know your risks, to make whatever changes you need to diminish your risk, and also that you'll just know what the signs and symptoms are so that you can help save yourself or save the life of somebody else that you love. So friends, thank you for joining me today as I have shared this story in honor of Heart Health Awareness Month. And I hope you will join me again next time as we share more stories of brokenness and the beauty that can come from our healing journey. 